0: He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. Great. Well, it, it's, it's wonderful to be here today. And um, the, the, the theme of today's talk is going to be the Magnificat. Now, that sounds terribly Latin. Um, I, I was lucky enough to study Latin at school or I say lucky in inverted commas, Um, I don't remember very much of it at all. Um, But as to what the Magnificat means, stay tuned, because um, there's going to be a little bit more about that in a moment. But this is a passage, very famous passage, at the start of uh, the Gospel of Luke, and we see it in verses 46 to 55. But before we get into the passage today, um, I wonder if any of you have ever read the book or heard of the book How to Win Friends and Influence People. Uh, It's a very famous book that was written by Dale Carnegie, um, probably about 50 years or so ago now. And it's probably one of the best known self-help books that there is out there about how to get on in life um, by um, essentially being nice to people. Um, And and it's almost become a parody in itself, how to win friends uh, and influence people. But there was another book uh slightly less, less well-known by Dale Carnegie that was recommended to me earlier this year and it's particularly relevant in the context of obviously what's been going on in wider society today. It's how to stop worrying and start living. Now I read the book recently and what's really interesting about it is the book is not a Christian book at all. Carnegie himself, I think he has faith but he's, he's, not, he's, not, he's not writing it at all from a Christian point of view. But he actually starts the book with the Sermon on the Mount given by Jesus. And of course, one of the famous things that Jesus says within that uh, within that sort of sermon, as it were, is do not worry about tomorrow because tomorrow will look after itself. And he talks about the birds of the air. They don't worry about uh, tomorrow. So why should you as man? And one of the things that Carnegie says in the book, he just said that the people who cope best with worry in life are generally those with faith and in particular those who pray as well and it's really interesting because as I say it wasn't written from a Christian point of view I thought well maybe he's on to something here now I'm afraid these are not Christmas baubles you'll probably know what these are um, coronavirus has somewhat dominated 2020 and actually it's affected our way of life in ways that we could not have imagined a year ago at all. And one of the sadnesses of this year has been the fact that churches have been closed for a good proportion of the year. This particular sign says, God help us all. Very sad that we've had to close our doors for such a large part of the year. And actually, during the second lockdown, I think it was starting to be recognised even by government themselves, of actually the value that churches play in society. So as we come to the Christmas season and we actually start to reflect on what is the message of Christianity, it's kind of brought it back into almost sharper focus this year because Christianity is by far and away the largest religion in the world. quite a remarkable number of people would call themselves Christian these days. And yet it started with just a small group of very poor people in the middle east 2000 years ago just a gathering of people on a hillside from the teachings of one man who claimed to be god was to influence and probably have one of the greatest influences that there's ever been on mankind and it started even before jesus was born because we see at the start of luke an encounter between two women two cousins in fact elizabeth and her cousin, Mary. Now Elizabeth, um, full of the Holy Spirit, says to her cousin, Mary, when she learns that her cousin has become pregnant, blessed are you among women and blessed is the child that you will bear. Because Elizabeth and Mary knew that this was going to be a revolutionary moment in the history of mankind. And we come to this song of praise that Mary then sings that's recorded in verses 46 to 55. Now, the Latin term which, which is used, Magnificat, actually literally means to magnify, to praise highly or glorify the Lord. It's an absolute pan of praise from Mary where she praises God for what has happened. And she goes on to say that all generations will call me blessed in verse 48. Now, at first reading, you might think, why Why is Mary boasting about how blessed she is? I think we're all aware of um, when people put perhaps on social media that they're hashtag blessed. It tends to it tends to evince two reactions in people. There are some who are of a kind of disposition who will say, well, I'm very pleased that your uh, life is going well for you. But there might be others who might be of a slightly more cynical disposition saying, why do you make it about yourself? But that's the point. That's the very opposite of what is going on here. Mary is not making this amazing news about herself as we're going to see. She's making it none other than about God and what he has done. So there are two things here about Mary's song that it's important to understand and actually put in the context because the background to this song is here is a girl, I mean, and she's literally a girl. Mary was probably no older than 13 or 14, who has fallen pregnant out of wedlock in poverty. Now that, by any objective assessment, is a bad situation for her to have been in. Because to have no one to provide for you, to not be married, was a, and, and to be pregnant was a disgrace in that society. And she would be shunned by people in that society for what happened. So it's a really difficult situation. But we see um, actually an amazing song come out of Mary as a result of this. So we're left with a question of what does this teach us about faith in God? Because actually, Mary's song is nothing other than a revolution of the heart we see if you like um mary presenting before everybody an incredible sort of revelation of what is going on in her heart and there's a few different themes that come out of it so if you want to have a look at the passage um 46 to 55 she talks about actually how god is holy and powerful in verse 49 holy is his name. The mighty one has done great things for me. And, and, and showing that actually in, in so many ways um, she's been blessed in what she has done because God has been gracious to her. She reflects in history how he's performed mighty deeds with his arm, just throughout the history of the Old Testament. You can see that. How he scattered the proud in their inmost thoughts. God is powerful beyond measure. How he's brought down rulers from their thrones, perhaps reflecting back to the time of the Israelites in Egypt. And yet he's filled the hungry with good things. The manna in the desert when the Israelites were starving and God sent manna from heaven. He's filled the hungry with good things. And crucially, in verse 54. He has helped his servant, Israel. Even though Israel constantly was wandering away from God, God has constantly been there to help Israel. And yet God shows mercy. Now, when we say mercy, what what do we mean? Well, mercy itself is compassion or forgiveness shown towards someone when it's within one's power to punish or harm them. So it's rather like the judge who has the right to pass the death sentence, but chooses not to It's perfectly within the judge's rights. But the judge decides to spare the criminal. And that's what's going on here. So in verse 50, his mercy extends to those who fear him. And then we see it again mentioned how, how, how God was merciful to Abraham. Because the story of Abraham is, is Abraham takes his son up the mountain ready to sacrifice his son. And God is, in, is so impressed with the faith that Abraham shows that he credits his faith as righteousness. And he's merciful to Abraham as a result of that and promises Abraham that his descendants forever will be the promise of being God's people. Mary also reflects as well on how God is kind. How as a poor poor servant girl, he's going to do mighty things through her. The son that she's going to give birth to is going to become the saviour of the world. And how God is kind as well. as, As we've already said, he fills the hungry. And even though man constantly wanders away, he keeps his promises in verse 55. And yet there's something interesting here because we see God as a rescuer. In verse 46, he is a savior. In other words, he's going to save man through what happens through through the, the, the baby that's going to be born is going to become the savior of the world. And yet what does God pride in all of this? Well, we see in verse 48, he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. See, Mary's humility is critical because it shows the attitude of heart that God wants in his people. Coming with, a, with just an acknowledgement that they are not the centre of the universe. But it is God who is. To those who fear him, verse 50, his mercy extends to those who fear him. God has no time for those who are proud. He scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has no time for those who put themselves on thrones. He's brought down rulers. But instead, what does he do? Verse 52. He lifts up the humble. And if you're rich, as Jesus goes on on to teach, it doesn't matter whether you're rich materially, rich in, in spiritually or whatever. If you put that before God... You will be sent away empty. So we have this thing here about humility. Coming to God in all humility is critically important. It was the attitude that Mary showed in these verses. So what do we have a picture of here from the Magnificat? Well, we have a picture that we have a a holy and a powerful God. A God who is completely worthy of praise, who has constantly demonstrated His faithfulness towards His people, the way in which He's been merciful and He's been gracious. But how humility and fear of Him will always trump pride and wealth. So, what does that mean in practice? What is what 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 is what is behind what Mary is singing here? Well, Mary is is showing that actually true faith means acceptance of God's good gift with all humility. It's recognising that actually putting ourselves at the centre is the wrong thing to do. But actually, if we say, do you know what, God, I'm going to lay down my pride. I'm going to lay down the fact that I'm at the centre of the universe. And I'm going to say, no, instead, you are. And it's that humility, that attitude, which Mary brings across, which is so powerful. And it was the attitude that carried her forward as as the mother of Jesus. 30 odd years ago, probably 31 years ago now, there was a revolution in Europe. Those of us who are old enough to remember it will remember when the Berlin Wall came down. And how there was this revolution of people claiming freedom from the oppression that they'd been under. With communism. It was amazing how quickly it happened. And in many ways, the Magnificat is a, is a revolutionary song in a way because it's shaking up what has previously been thought. Mary knows that there is going to be a revolution that's going to happen through the birth of this baby. This baby going to come back into the world, not as a warrior, but as someone who is going to preach truth that people have perhaps never heard or never understood because they've never truly understood what's been written down in the Old Testament. But this baby is going to preach words that are going to change people's hearts, that make them realise that actually it is only through grace. It's only through what God himself is going to do by coming down to the world at Christmas that is going to effect this revolution in people's hearts and know that he's going to give this amazing free gift of salvation. And all that is asked of us is to accept it with all humility and reverence. And that is the Christmas message. As at the start, I I mentioned the Dale Carnegie book, How to Stop Worrying and Start Living. And it made me reflect that actually Carnegie comes across a really important truth here. Because for all the worry and oppression that we put ourselves under, how we make ourselves ill with worry, actually the greatest strength of all is to stop reflecting on ourselves and reflecting on our creator, reflecting on the God who made each one of us and actually saying, you're right and I am wrong. And accepting that wonderful gift of grace that will just liberate us in our hearts and in our minds. Let me just pray as we close. Father God, we thank you for your servant Mary and the, and, and the way in which her humility and her faith just showed an example of what we ourselves should adopt as an attitude as we come before you. We are not worthy of you. Everything we've done in our lives is, does not make us worthy of you. And yet, through your graciousness and your kindness, you sent your son down to earth for each one, or each one of us who, who comes to confess before you. We thank you for the message of Christmas. We thank you for that message of wonderful hope and, and for, the, and for the, the way in which it was fulfilled through your son going to the cross for each one of us. And we pray that we'd, you'd help us keep this in our hearts at this, at this wonderful time year. Amen.